Well, nothing seems that ridiculous nowadays. So is an ACC Pac-12 merger one day? Not now necessarily, but one day? Is it that ridiculous? Eh, I don't think so. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. When you enter the promo code locked on college, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order and i'm thrilled to be joined today on the show by candace cooper the host of locked on acc we're talking about the atlantic coastal conference and candace you and i were talking before we came on to record the show if live and the pga tour can get together and merge heck one day in a foreseeable semi-realistic world an acc pac-12 merger of some sorts is not the most ridiculous thing on planet Earth anymore, is it? It absolutely is not. Spencer, thanks so much for having me. But more than that, will our conferences survive all of this big talk? I feel like everyone is just kicking us to the side at this point. Like we're not, you know, conference of champions over here. We have some pretty good things going on in the ACC. And yet it's just we I feel like we're bottom of the barrel and we're just not. Yeah, I know. And and it's <laughs> It's just kind of the way that the conference realignment discussion is going. It's just like Big Ten, SEC, Big Ten, SEC, and then it's kind of the other three. I I do have to ask you as well, Candice, is it nice to be in a conference that has a media rights deal? Is that comforting? (laughs) You know, if if my deal wasn't so... how do I put this? I mean, we are just locked in. We are we are tied together, blood, sweat, and tears. I think they signed it in blood, honestly, John Swafford. But, you know, just it is reassuring to know that, you know, some of our teams, we locked down. I know you're trying to have all these emergents um, trying to, be, you know, shy away and get away from us. But you're, you're here. You're tied to us. The bond is great. So I would say that's nice, but it's a little stressful when it's the constant complaining, which it seems to be as of late. Well, I mean, that's all that, you know, anybody does in the world now. It's like, yeah, this isn't good enough. We got to we, we gotta make it better. We can't just, like, appreciate what we've got. We can't just keep college football status quo as is fundamentally. We have to alter the ground uh, underneath our, our feet and such. But, yeah, yeah just but let, let that be a lesson for all you Pac-12 <laughs> fans out there who really want a media deal. Sometimes if the deal's no good, you're just going to end up wanting out of it anyway. So that there, there's, there's the upside to it. That's as positive of a spin as I can put on the situation uh, <laughs> right, right now. But I want to get into what, what the details could look like of an ACC Pac-12 merger partnership. I, I don't find it out of the realm of possibility. But the biggest thing that, that comes to mind, Candice, I think are, are, are two things. Number one, the volume of teams that you would have. And I have an idea about that that some particular fans might not uh, enjoy that I'll get to later. But the second one is the logistics of it. And in my understanding at this point from the Pac-12 side has been that's kind of a, a holdup there. And we've seen presidents and athletic directors still continue to talk about that stuff and say, yeah, logistics are going to be tough for uh, USC and UCLA and the Big Ten. Is, is that a hurdle that you feel could be overcome if, if this were to come to fruition? 
You know, I I think it could be something that people could get past, but I just don't see it being a possibility. You think about North Carolina having to go play someone in Washington and just the adjustments, the tangible real life, we are on different coasts adjustments and also trying to get quality play, quality play out of your players, timing, all the things. I think it's just not worth the effort beyond that you know traveling we know to go to california for me here on the east coast is going to cost me 700 dollars versus me going down the street where i could potentially take a bus like there's no mm-hmm. bus option which i think is something that you know you certainly consider when trying to merge teams and trying to get commercial flights and charter planes for football programs it's just a lot having to feed all those people and make sure these are like you know you take the reason why the nba nfl take trips and they stay out a little bit longer during their west coast visits or all of the things because they know tangibly it's a little more expensive if you got to go play the Sacramento Kings and then the Los Angeles Lakers if you're you know a team like the Chicago Bulls like you got to you got to make it work for you so I think it's like logistics will always be the hurdle I don't know that you get past it from a college lens especially when a lot of these schools are state schools and and the other thing too is whatever and, and this goes for any realignment conversation that you're going to have if you're talking about you know making a geographical change that has to be a factor there, right? Like USC and UCLA are going to be spending much more on travel because there, there are more than two sports in a university <laughs> athletics department. Crazy, yeah. It's yeah. easy to forget that. <laughs> but football and men's basketball are not the only sports that exist. Yeah. They are the ones that are bringing in the lion's share of the money for these departments and whatnot. But expenses exist elsewhere. So, you know, I've talked about that in the context of, you know, schools potentially going to the Big 12 is if your travel is $3 million more expensive, suddenly a $5 million bump in the media rights, you know, money that that gets kicked back to you from the conference isn't quite as appealing because it's like, well, really that's $2 million. Okay, but that $2 million doesn't actually go just to the football. That's going to the athletic department. So you're talking about kind of a a minuscule amount in in that sense. But the, the, the idea that popped into my head and this is not one I'm, I'm advocating for i'm just saying like it's a theory given you know something we're going to talk about later as well the the whole magnificent seven thing and the big schools the big ba- big brands breaking off is do you think it would be more tenable for for these schools there would be legal hurdles obviously as the acc and i'm sure you've talked about on your show quite a bit over over the last couple of months but what about that concept of just the big brands the big schools kind of breaking off and going to do it. Do you think that that would make it more appealing for these conferences to really, really work together one day and try to, you know, merge, form their own league or, or something crazy like that? You know, I definitely think that it would be more appealing. It's certainly more sexy when you talk about the big brands, you talk about the revenue sports, of course, but as you mentioned, the non-revenue sports and a lot of programs here in the ACC, some of the best things they have going for them is their non-revenue sports. And so it's hard to convince, you know, a NC State tennis team that they need to go out and play a Washington tennis team just because and things like that that nature but beyond that I really feel as if you know the ACC is in a position where they have but so many brand big name brands that are that could carry weight right now from how they're doing from a actual tangible W's and L's standpoint like we're not we're not rolling in the championships right now so I'm not trying to say like I'm not saying we can't possibly can't bring it back to surface but we're we don't have the right leverage in order for that big big brand positioning like our Miami team is still holding on to the 90s right our FSU team they haven't won since Jameis Winston so it'd be interesting to see if people actually want us like I get it 
it in theory, sure. But can we act? Can they actually bring them some positivity beyond just you know a couple, a little bit of fandom? Yeah, and I, I think you know there there is an appeal. I'm sure there are power brokers in college sports and athletics <laughs> that would look at the prospect of a conference that features Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, Duke, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal maybe Utah or, or, or somebody like that and just kind sure. of consolidate like that. It would be very much in step with what is just happening in the world of sports, which is sure. if you're not being aggressive, then you're going to be on the defensive and soon you're going to be looking at, you know, possible extinction maybe or yeah. or just ceasing to exist because you don't keep up and stay competitive with with those times. But we, we've got more questions to answer with that. And I want to uh, ask you about the uh, the so-called Magnificent Seven as well and kind of what went down there. Not sure. sure how many Pac-12 fans are aware of all that sort of stuff. Also not sure how many of you are aware that bird dog shorts are fantastic. They make you look good. They make you feel good. They're super stretchy. They're super comfortable. They're easy. Their versatility is maybe their best quality. You can wear them on the golf course, wear them on a hike, riding bikes, walking, jogging, something in between walking and jogging. If that's kind of your vibe, you can wear them swimming, whatever you want. Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg by giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better and they are super crazy comfortable. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. Enter promo code locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take off your bird dogs all summer long. We promise you they are that comfortable. All right. That's what we call the second segment sip to make sure my voice and my mouth don't give out as we, uh, <laughs> as, as we do the show. But on on the on the a potential merger idea this all stems from a question sent in by eric by the way i uh, don't have to re read the whole thing but if you ever want to be a part of the mailbag you all know youtube comments or hit me up on twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at lo underscore pac 12 the the legality of schools breaking off make it pretty unlikely right and we kind of learned that with the magnificent seven which we'll touch on here in in a moment but a full conference merger, Candace, one day, I'm not saying that this could be imminent, but we're thinking everything goes right now because that's kind of the way the world feels. Like anything and everything goes, bend the rules, push the boundaries, all that sort of stuff. You have 10 teams currently in the Pac-12. You might have 12 soon. You have 16 or 14, right, in, in, in the ACC. A 24-team conference, I mean, Schedule-wise, branding, matchups, depth of quality teams, it, 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 to me, it seems like it would be a fun idea. And certainly it would be a competitive conference that would ensure that they would stay relevant going forward. It's just a matter of can you do that for the very first time because we have not seen conference-wide mergers before. Yeah, absolutely. I think that like at the end of the day, when you – 
in theory, it's all fun, right? We talk about all of these scenarios and anything can happen, but, you know, we do get back to the legalities of it. And ACC really has no leverage to try and dance with anybody because our grant of rights deal is till 2036. We definitely have, there's penalties, uh, nine figure penalties. If you decide that you want to even dibble dabble, if the lawyers couldn't figure it out by now, you know, I think there's no figuring it out necessarily beyond that. Even when you do leave, let's say for instance, you find the 120 million, you got to still have your home games given to ESPN. So it's not exactly the sexiest, like let's find an out. And for a Pac-12 and you want to have those certain games and let's say they have a blackout game or things of that nature, it kind of just loses its effect. So I'm really hoping that the ACC kind of sticks beside itself. You know, they don't really try and make that dance. They don't try to bring anybody in. But as Commissioner Phillips always says, there's always conversations happening. So you, you never know with this bad boy. But I, I would really argue that it's it's good in theory. It's good to dream, but it's just not feasible. Yeah, I, I think the feasibility of it is, you know, sketchy at best. I also thought a live PGA Tour merger was <laughs> impossible, would never happen. We'd never see it, and, and here we are. And that's why we're we're talking about this on, on, on today's show. Because, I mean, I, I think you could have some really fun matchups, most notably Oregon and Miami, of course, because of the Mario Cristobal factor. But, I mean, Absolutely. just from a brand standpoint, right? Like, you have a sufficient number of brands. Like, let's say, hypothetically, we are incorrect in our assessment and the grant of rights ends, or the ACC as we know it comes down, and then they merge with the, the remaining Pac-10 teams, and they form a 24-team super conference. There is no world in which there aren't enough brands to be highly competitive, highly relevant, highly valuable. And in terms of how the details would get worked out from the television side, that, 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 that would be for network executives and for commissioners to to kind of look into on on that front and they you know they have to figure that sort of stuff out. I'm glad it's not me because it'd be it'd be wildly complicated. But yeah. if if you're talking about a power move that both conferences can make, Candace, I don't think there's another one on either side. The Pac twelve is still looking for a media rights deal. The most likely additions are San Diego State and SMU, who I, I, I like the prospect of adding them, but that's mm-hmm. not a power move. It's a survival move. Yeah. And the ACC is you know trying to stop schools from wanting to go to the Big Ten or, or the SEC, and there aren't any other power moves that I could foresee, yeah. given that the Big Twelve has already secured its future. I mean, I mean, maybe when their media rights deal comes up, the Big Twelves, you try to go after their biggest schools, maybe. Sure. But like, I, I don't think either conference has any other power moves, aggressive plays, really on the table. Well, I also think the problem is that for a lot of the ACC schools, they're a package deal. Like North Carolina and North Carolina State, you got to figure out one and two. From a in from North Carolina law, you cannot have one without the other. For Virginia and Virginia Tech, you cannot have one without the other. And so that's when we were talking about Magnificent Seven. Those were included, and you're kind of head scratching like NC State. Why would you, you know, feel like you have any chess moves in this bad boy? So curious if Pac-12 has any of those type of deals with their respective uh, state schools, like Oregon, Oregon State, things like that. Because for me, I'm telling the ACC, you're you're sort of you're not playing with the right set of cards because you're having to drag behind a couple of those who you would love to just leave behind. Yeah, and I, I I know that there are, there are some laws that have been written on, on on that sort of stuff. I think there's actually a tie between Oregon and Washington mm-hmm. as, as as universities. I'd have to double check all 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 that sort of stuff, but it wouldn't surprise me at all because again, it's really easy to get lost in the weeds in these talks and think about it just as athletic departments, football yeah. teams, and basketball teams. It's like these are universities, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of them are publicly funded, meaning they are tied to the state government and they are subject <laughs> to the laws and regulations hereby <laughs> written by the state legislature. Yeah. There. And they, they don't have, you know, unlimited free will, which is a perfect segue into the uh, the Magnificent Seven situation. So for Pac-12 fans who are not aware of kind of what went down but then didn't go down there, Candace, just kind of give a, a summary there of, of what exactly was happening, what we're talking about. Yeah, it's kind of like the Big Ten Pac-12 ACC alliance that kind of went down but never really went down. Um, so the ACC had the Magnificent Seven where there were seven schools during ACC spring meetings that were flirting with the idea of seceding, like, you know, good old South, seceding from the league, right? <laughs> so they were telling us that they were had it, they were up to here, they just needed an eighth team in order to fully become its own league and separate from the ACC completely. So a lot of people were feeling like Commissioner Phillips was up against the wall pleading with these schools not to go away it was Florida State Clemson and Miami then you had North Carolina North Carolina State Virginia and Virginia Tech and Louisville magically was the eighth team that people said was going to come in and really secede not Duke not Duke and so surprise of it is I don't know if you know about AAU schools we talked about it on my show yesterday but Duke Georgia Tech North Carolina, Miami, Notre Dame, like those are some of the schools that are all part are part of the AAU. And you have to be a part of the AAU in order to be in the Big Ten. And so that started to bring around the dance of like, okay, but who could really lead? Leave. Pitt is another team a part of the AAU. Could they be the ones that, you know, shut everything down right and become the one that just didn't we didn't see coming and surprise all of us and decide that they want to go to the big 10 kind of makes sense for where they are regionally but the magnificent seven were just a group of uh, ad's frustrated by what's going on i think in the world of pay transparency seeing what's in front of them between the sec and the big 10 how far behind they're going to be in the coming years and they had just really had enough now by the end of the spring meetings they really just silenced themselves you didn't hear anything about it they came out of the meeting saying we're good we're happy you know all the things that let you know based on any coach you've ever watched any you know professional politician or anything that something definitely is afoot like something is certainly on on the horizon and I think it's going to be led by you know FSU and Clemson if I would be to guess the two schools but the Magnificent Seven where it blew a lot of hot smoke but then ultimately it fizzled away. So was the determination at the end of that that those schools did want to either leave to a bigger conference, the SEC or the Big Ten, or break off the ACC as we know it, then establish their own league to kind of give themselves unequal revenue share, which which happened, by the way, in the Pac-12 in, oh gosh, it was sometime in like the mid-20th century, but a couple of schools, unhappy about the the revenue sharing component, broke off and said, okay, we're disbanding this league, we're going to go form our own, then we're going to invite back the schools that we just left behind because we actually just wanted to get a bigger percentage of the money. But at the end of the day, now it did happen way back in the the fifties or something like that. But the ACC schools kind of ran into a brick, probably legal wall on, Mm -hmm. on that front, but they were, it, it sounds like they just needed an eighth school and they could have just completely torpedoed the ACC broken off and formed their own conference. 100% there. It was the latter. I think that what really stopped them was when you really break down the ESPN deal and the fact that there are still a lot of hurdles in terms of what you're actually getting. Like if you take it away, there's no more grant of rights. You still owe the ESPN a lot of your games. And so that made it also less sexy. Um, And I also think there was a team that really just couldn't commit 
even though there was rumors again that it was Louisville, you never really saw that in full, you know, conversations. However, I do think, you know, Commissioner Phillips finally acknowledged the gap. Like before he had kept trying to dress it up as, oh, well, we'll just grab a Washington. We'll just, you know, tell Notre Dame that we'll finally get together and figure things out. And so I think having him be a little more transparent about understanding that there are needs that need to be met and maybe having negotiations with ESPN, which I don't see that happening because ESPN has the upper hand. Why would they want to negotiate something that's already in their favor? But I think it was more about the transparency and acknowledgement and figuring out maybe there needs to be a different distribution deal at the end of the day. Yeah, that, that the, the ESPN factor – I understand the schools who are saying, hey, we want to go and re-up our deal. Because if the ACC were on the market, they would be able to get, I think, probably more, given where they're located, the markets that they're in, brands that they have, than an average or a running average of about $36 million per school per year. I think they could probably eclipse the 40, maybe, maybe even the 50 number. I'm not a media executive, but that contract was just negotiated so long ago. And it's locked in for so long that the valuation of sports has just gone up immensely since then. And that was another part of the reason as to why they wanted to to kind of get out of there. And look, if if they had done that or if they decide, you know, in a couple of years, hey, we, we have seven, we actually have an eighth on board and we want to, you know, break off from from the ACC here. I wonder what sort of state the Pac-12 would be in to to try. And, I mean, I, I don't know that they would have a high leverage situation, but if there were opportunities, you could have individual schools who might look at it and say, "Hey, are you you guys, you guys forming a league over there? That looks pretty cool." <laughs> you know, if you're trying yeah. to go for this, like, "Hey, we're we're Oregon, we're we're Washington, we're you know Stanford and Cal. Like, you you, you want you want us? You want to include yeah. us too, right? Yeah. Like that feels like a domino that." you know, has, has stayed upright for now, mm-hmm. but doesn't feel like it's, you know, Im- impossible to think of a, a world in which it kind of comes back. Yeah, I really feel like there's a world where there's probably going to be two leagues or something that emulates one huge league, kind of like the NFL, an amateur version of the NFL, because the way NIL is going, the way just teams and you know conferences are separating, it feels less and less like the old traditional, like we want to make sure we play the certain teams every year. We have these historic rivalries and more about like who can get us the biggest money to get us to the college football playoff to get us a national championship game. And so even with the college football playoff expanding the 12 teams right it's just not as sexy as it was to have those final four figure out who's going to you know duke it out and which conference is going to be able to pull from and so i just i really envision a world where we're just going to do away with all of this talk hoopla and you know we're probably just give big f you to the ncaa and try to find our own thing and 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 that timeline i think is more drawn out than some people might think everything feels very urgent and quick and and fast moving right now but these deals have been signed So when you talk about, you know, a two conference world, I think that is 100% possible in the future. But when I say future, I'm saying like (laughs) 10 years from now, 15, 20 in my lifetime. Yes, but not not in uh, the near distant future. Last thing I want to talk about today, Candice, is where do these two conferences that for different reasons are not in positions of leverage, despite Mm -hmm. having a bunch of great teams and great fans 
and you know great products to put on on television on the field and whatnot. The ACC is too locked into that deal, and ESPN's not going to renegotiate because they know looking at the other deals, eh, we have them on the cheap right now, and we're not going to try and do that because that would not make sense from a business standpoint. Pac-12 doesn't even have a deal right now, and and us along with the Big 12, we all kind of feel like we're in defensive mode, Mm -hmm. just dreading the the day where the SEC or the Big 10 decides, yeah, we want to just go and get your biggest brands and pull them over here and whatnot. So... If you're the ACC and or the Pac-12, do you try and work together to make your conferences as appealing as possible, matchups, scheduling, that sort of thing, to give yourself big games, get TV ratings, draw interest, intrigue, legitimacy, all that sort of stuff? Like, what, what, what do you do from here if you're these two leagues? Yeah, listen, I think that ultimately, like, it comes down to the X's and O's, right, especially for your major revenue sports. I think they still have to remain in the conversation and excel and achieve at highest of levels. So you have to, to me, go into that recruiting space, that NIL space, really make sure all of your schools are fine-tuned with making sure they can offer, you know, these young people who are very much money-driven these days um, the finest deals and ensure that they are coming to your schools and they're going to excel and do all, all of the things that are sexy. Like, it's hard to make sexy a school that you don't know what TV channel they're going to be on, right? It's hard to make sexy a program where you're like, are, are we going to be in ACC here in the next five years? Who knows? Like, it's hard It's hard to sell that right now, but I certainly think that, you know, achievement on the field is going to be their biggest way. Recruiting is going to be another, but you also give the matchups of maybe a Miami or Oregon, or you have a home and home. Like, you try and dress up your schedules to be a little more appealing for those who, like, want to have that on the, on the calendar and maybe attend. And, you know, you, they bring out crowds. We know that certain – Pac-12 schools definitely draw a crowd. We know that certain ACC schools are going to sell good or bad or indifferent. So I think that's just going to be one of the really important parts. Yeah, I, I, I think that if if a merger, as we discussed, is unlikely, though not impossible, I, I just think, you know, a scheduling alliance on that front. And look, I know we had one with the Big Ten, and then they went back and, you know, really, really screwed the Pac-12 in, in a big, <laughs> big way. I get that. Yeah. But now for the Pac-12 and the ACC – I don't think either conference is in a position where they can, you know, j- just completely submarine torpedo the other league the way that the Big Ten did. And I think creating those sorts of matchups, particularly in in college football, of course, would be really, really good to have Oregon play Miami, to have Washington play, you know, a, a North Carolina or something like like match up your your biggest television draws. I don't see who loses in that in that outcome college football fans certainly win across the board and i think that you look it can be a tough sell to to the schools sometimes but in the 12 team playoff era i think you could be you know more inclined to see schools willing to schedule tough games because it can help them but a loss doesn't take them out of the conversation entirely the way the way that it does now you'll be able to get in the playoff with two or maybe even three losses so i i i think an ACC, Pac-12, Alliance, whatever you want to call it going forward, I, I think it'd be really, really fun. Yeah, I also think you have opportunities, especially from the basketball lens. You have these Nike classics. You're, you know, you're, Great point. you know, different type of classics that they're all trying to dance up these days. And so you certainly could try and bring some of these schools that you know have the same sponsorships together and figure out ways to draw crowds and 
put them in neutral sites and have that bad boy, you know, showing that they can bring out the crowd, they can bring out the fandom and all and bring out the revenue is certainly something, you know, to split and be like, oh, let's, this has worked out well. We'll see how the logistics came out to be good. So let's figure, maybe we can figure this out for both men's and women's basketball. You know, that also brings out a crowd and you're trying to, you know, gain leverage in that standpoint. So there's a lot of good brand positioning opportunities for sure. Well, the ACC may have things in the last 10 years like national championships in the two major sports and a media deal that the Pac-12 doesn't, but we're not so different at, after all, at the end of the day. Candace Cooper is at Candace D. Cooper on Twitter, host of Locked on ACC, Monday through Friday on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Candace, great to chat. Spencer, thank you for having me. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.